Hi, and welcome to the Council of Fathers podcast. I'm Noah Goldstein. I'm Dave Boniuto. And we're here to talk about the wild, adventurous journey we call fatherhood. Today, we are going to be talking about dad guilt. Nice little uh, light topic there for you to uh, start off your listening. And we're hoping to jump into this conversation with levity and humor in addition to uh, the depth that can be there. Beautiful. Yeah, maybe other dads feel guilt too, not just the two of us, but, you know, at the very least we can work through this yeah and people can listen to our little therapy session together hopefully hopefully no one <laughs> hopefully no one feels guilty because as soon as they heard the topic they pressed pause and said i'll listen to the rest of that later <laughs> totally i just wanted to mention that there'll be some ambient noise in the in the background some some peppermint tea is that peppermint that is peppermint tea. Mm-hmm. Mm. So apologize for that in advance, but it's going to happen. I think the biggest apology is that people are going to hear that. And they're going to, ooh, I want some tea, mm. some peppermint tea. Yeah. Mm. Let's go with that. Let's huh? go with that. Dave. <laughs> uh, Noah. Rafi just turned 10. Oh, my God. How are you feeling about that? Um, all sorts of things, man. I am feeling all sorts of things. <laughs> I feel like there's there's a certain relief today, like a catharsis or something, but sort of leading up and, and yesterday it was big emotions. It's for me, I don't know if other folks out there feel the same, but the transition transition from nine to ten felt like this huge leap, like he just started fourth grade um, and the leap from third to fourth grade, at least at his school is really big. It's like things are getting serious, you know, like academic and homework and um, yeah, there's just a shift developmentally. And he was telling me the other night that he's, he's stressed and you know, I've never heard him say that Mm. before. It's like life is getting kind of real. And then he's just like so independent and autonomous, you know. We he hiked Long's Peak the yeah. other day without me. <laughs> well, you did the first half, didn't you? I did. Yeah, I hiked up to Chasm Lake with him, and then he went the rest of the way with his buddy and and our good friend Tim, who mm-hmm. was on the podcast last time. Um, and it was, you know, it's so special to see him do that without me and to know that he like, he wanted to do it without me. Mm. And it's heartbreaking mm-hmm. <laughs> to know that he wants to do stuff without me, you know, my, my buddy. Yeah. So lots of, lots of stuff. I'm really proud of him and he's such a cool cat and, um, he's really turned out to be a teacher mm. and and man if if someone had told me that parenting was going to involve this level of like heartache and mm. your kids experience pain mm. watching them experience life without me i think if you had told me 
the intensity of the feeling I was going to have. I don't know that I would have done it. Mm. <laughs> you know, maybe that's why they, why, why they don't tell you. you know? <laughs> well, and um, I just want to acknowledge in hearing that, that you're making a choice to feel those feelings, um, which the intensity is large and a lot of humans knowingly intentionally or not step away it's too much right and so um i think it's beautiful that you allow yourself to let those less comfortable feelings you know wash through you and i imagine that letting them flow through you rather than stepping away from them benefits you and in all sorts of ways and, and your family. And, um, yeah, I mean, Rachel just read this book called bittersweet, um, after listening to a interview with the author, which I also listened to that interview and just that notion that when we let ourselves really feel into the, the I don't want to say more difficult the the less the sadness the grief the 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 heartache right then that creates room and space for more of the joy and the celebration and the appreciation and and most of all it keeps us from being numb yeah I think that's true I mean certainly in my experience and yeah, I think we're going to talk a bit about that today, you know, but it's sort of this paradox that the more we intentionally turn towards and allow and intentionally feel uh, big emotions, the bigger we become, the more spacious we become because there's so much energy involved in trying not to feel emotions. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, um, who is it? Michael Singer, is that his name? The the um, Untethered Soul. I don't know if you ever read that. It's a great book, but he has this metaphor of like walking around with a wound, a physical wound. And, you know, like you have to step carefully around people and through doors and you organize your whole life to make sure you don't bump up against something because it's so painful, you mm. know, and we, we do that emotionally too. We spend so much energy trying not to feel things mm. that we miss out on life, you know? And so, yeah, there's this paradox where we, when we start to allow this counterintuitive facing of feelings, then we get to experience more life. Mm. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like there's a, what I was hearing in your description, which I like that metaphor of not feeling things is, is constraint. Right. And then, and there's actually this freedom when you know that you can feel things that are maybe uncomfortable or not happy or not positive quote unquote right like yeah um that it allows you to move through the world in a bigger more full way totally yeah today's topic is yeah is dad guilt dad guilt right 
and really i'm starting to feel guilty that i maybe don't feel all my feelings (laughs) oh good i'm so glad (laughs) yeah and and this one sort of model of thinking about feelings that you know you and i have talked quite a bit about calls guilt an inhibitory emotion right meaning it inhibits the feeling of other core emotions Mm. and so if you think about that word inhibitory it's like a governor right it's like we're trying to live a full vital fulfilling life and we've got the the governor on Mm -hmm. you know like you think of the go-kart with the governor on so you can't go too fast like there's this way in which we can inhibit ourselves from living fully Mm -hmm. and one of those ways is guilt you know the other two that are are shame and anxiety these are three inhibitory emotions or or emotions that protect us from feeling overwhelming sadness overwhelming anger you know overwhelming fear i wanna mm, i wanna just like the that would protect us Mm. because there's there's a way as we approach this topic that it could be looked you know we already said like guilt shame fear they're they're sort of stopping us in a way inhibiting us from more freedom but what i'm but but before we sort of um demonize them or vilify them right like you just named something really important which is that they play a a protective role they have a a purpose there right that um maybe serves a role and and maybe it's it's serving a role that's important until we are ready and supported to grow out of needing that role right it's kind of like it's a safety right like you you don't want your you know 16-year-old child maybe driving in the car over 40 miles an hour. So wouldn't it be nice if we could put a governor on the car when they're driving? Maybe maybe like four or five miles an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Okay. But and and then and but then once once you know you've reached a sort of level of skill and maturity, then it's time to take that governor off. Not to say that we want to is it no (laughs) (laughs) not to say that we want that like we want to intentionally especially like guilt and shame we'll talk about that more i think as we go down this road not that we want to intentionally insert these um in our children or or that we want them intentionally inserted into us but that if they're showing up in us um then that was that was for a reason right and you use that word overwhelming yeah you know sadness overwhelming grief maybe even overwhelming joy right like we need something to put the brakes on so we don't get overwhelmed and absolutely uncapable of yeah 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 i love that you're saying that these these the inhibitory emotions and this by the way i just want to name that this is a model that comes from Hillary Jacobs Hendel. She's she wrote a book called It's Not Always Depression. It's a 
it's a fantastic book and and a really elegant simple model that i think is friendly user friendly for a lot of folks but the the core emotions that can be overwhelming that she named so if you think of the movie oh it's escaping me now what's the movie with the each character plays an emotion it's a cartoon oh oh, inside out inside out yeah yeah you could think of those those characters but the the core emotions that uh hillary jacobs hendel talks about are sadness anger disgust fear joy excitement and sexual excitement so seven emotions and she calls them core because they they just happen right they're not sort of like they're they're sort of like natural emotions that arise and they play a real function you know you think of anger like it sort of can motivate motivate us into action you know or or fear motivates us to run away like they're they're functional emotions Hmm. but they can become really overwhelming as a child and Mm -hmm. the intelligent thing to do when being flooded with emotion is to inhibit that a little bit right is to like protect ourselves from being overwhelmed right so things get too fill in the blank you know get too intense around anger and it makes sense to try to protect oneself from that especially as a little kid and then what happens as adults if if we had that experience as a kid right anger starts to arise in relationship and alarm bells go off from childhood that say "Uh uh-oh anger's coming up better to feel anxious right now Mm. or better to feel guilty that i'm angry than it is to allow anger because it was not good as a kid Mm -hmm. right what i'm hearing in that um is also this piece around and again this wasn't the the path we're planning on going down right now but if children are supported in feeling and moving through their feelings then maybe they don't get as overwhelmed um so yeah which would maybe mean that they don't need those protection mechanisms in as many situations or yeah yeah it could be i think yeah that sort of starts to touch on you know how much do we as parents impact these inhibitory emotions both positively and negatively like how much can we support our kids to feel fully Mm -hmm. and um how much is you know how much of those that protection is a natural process of of being human and Mm -hmm. and growing like it Mm. it just it just is a way it's nature's way and then at a certain point there becomes a tipping point or or, or diminished returns where it might be worth working through that Mm -hmm. the the echoes of the past you know (laughs) like my childhood is playing out in my relationship today and so 
yeah, maybe I want to, it's uh, outdated a little bit, right? right? But this way in which we can support our kids in feeling big emotions and the ways we inadvertently give rise to those inhibitory emotions. So yeah. I just want to give a quick example because it's really subtle. It's really, I I'd call it unconscious. You know, it's an unconscious parenting move for me much of the time. And it's insidious, you know, but like mm. yesterday was Rafi's birthday and it, it's a big day. It's a big, big day, y'all. Like birthdays are big, mm. big emotions. And Anya is, you know, she's two years younger and it's a big deal for the younger child that everything's you know equal and if he gets something she gets something if he gets attention she gets attention like she's big on equality as she should be and so birthdays are hard for younger siblings mm-hmm. it's like oh he's getting another gift you know and oh he's getting everyone saying happy birthday to him and and so she was was having a hard time and she would sort of lash out at points and i just watched myself my move my unconscious move is is a look i give her Mm. this look that's like you better stop right all Mm -hmm. that is said in the eyes Mm -hmm. right and it's a look of disappointment it's a look of um maybe (laughs) yeah maybe disgust Mm -hmm. i hate to say that but maybe that's true and the impact on a small child seven-year-old seeing dad who is all important you know big figure with that look i mean what do you think the impact is on that you know there's there's a feeling of shame that arises right that's too much to handle you know the the thought that I'm disappointing dad is either too much sadness, too much fear, right? The fear of losing dad's love is too much. Mm -hmm. And so shame wells up, Mm -hmm. right? Now I'm very aware of this. I'm talking to you about it. I'm, you know, but I still do it. Right. It's, and I think we all do it. And so I'm just wanting to name. feel guilty about doing it. And then we feel guilty. It's a cycle. Yeah. And so what's the move, right? What is the, how do we work with that? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I mean, the, the first thing that pops into my mind, well, there's a few things. First, I want to, I want to kind of name that, like the mechanism of shame, right? It's, it's sort of us telling ourselves, if I do this, uh, this behavior risks being sort of expelled from the community, right? It's it's trying to it's trying to protect us from doing things that might get us kicked out, right? Yeah, survival, survival, and so so that's powerful, and that is serving a purpose, right? Because if we actually genuinely do live in a family system or a community where um, where there are behaviors that that could get us expelled from that community or, or family, then that's that's a real um, important thing. That until we're in a 
community, a, a group of people that is going to accept us unconditionally and forgive us for being human and making mistakes, um, then we need to really put a kibosh on, on certain things, right? But the other thing that comes to mind, I guess, in, in hearing what you just shared is is the like the repair and the the apology right you're and i noticed we're sort of talking more about the parent-child relationship than the actual dad guilt itself but we'll get there we'll get there yeah absolutely so you and i have talked about this before on the podcast and we talk about it a lot but these three opportunities Mm -hmm. that arise in relationship before during after and this is the the after, right? So that that what happens after so shame and guilt is something that arises after something that happens. And so the move seems to be the interpersonal move is like, yeah, apologizing seems to be really powerful, mm. right? And we've you and I have talked about this example before, the difference you know, two two different apologies. So I give Anya that look. Or let's say I snap at her, right? I yell. I do that sometimes. Yeah, we all do. And then I and then I feel bad about it. Mm. I feel guilty. Sometimes I even feel shame, right? Like I'm a bad dad because I yell. So let's say i yell and yeah so so i can think of 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 a time where it wasn't just a look it was you know i i caught her um i saw her in the rearview mirror writing with marker on the car (laughs) and i (laughs) and i went zero to 60 uh pretty quick and i and i yelled and and i felt bad right away like I felt like I mean I know that that serves no purpose expressing anger is very useful but expressing anger at a seven-year-old for doing something like riding on the car I don't see as very functional Mm -hmm. right and I see it I see this pattern happening where there's shame rising up and then what shame shame causes more behavioral issues right mm-hmm. so so i when we parked the car we were at a restaurant i just went back in the back seat and i had to cool off first because my instinct what i wanted to say was you know i'm sorry i yelled but you can't write on the car we've talked about this a million times you can write on paper you can't write on the car you can't write on your arm you know and i knew that wasn't what i wanted to do Uh uh-huh because that message is i'm sorry i yelled but you deserved it Uh uh-huh i'm sorry i yelled Uh but i yelled because of what you did right and it's it's keeping the responsibility and and it's blaming the child essentially yeah 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 you deserved your actions deserved like i wouldn't have had to yell 
if you hadn't driven ridden on the car. Right. So I'm sorry I yelled, but it's your fault that yeah. I yelled. It's not really an apology. No. It's a veiled, uh, veiled shaming. Reinforcement of the original message. Yeah. So after I cooled down a little, meaning I worked with my own anxiety. I had to, I had to calm my nerves. How did I had you do to that? self-soothe. Well, I had to take a little space, meaning I stood outside of the car for a minute and I breathed and I, you know, I can feel my nervous system amped. Mm -hmm. And if I place my attention on that feeling and hold it there, it, it starts to relax. Hmm if I allow myself to go into like justifying my actions or feeling bad about my actions mm. or defending against my actions, it gets amped. But if I just allow myself to be present with the physical sensations and feeling, it starts to relax. Mm. And I always have this mantra. <laughs> I say this all the time. I've said it to you a lot. Like I say to myself, would I rather be right or would I rather be connected? Mm -hmm. That's one of our principles. principles. Yeah. Because the desire to be right, meaning uh, to defend my yelling, is strong. It's like if I can defend that and make it not wrong, for lack of a better word, then I won't feel so bad. Mm -hmm. That's sort of the impulse. Never works out that way. And it distracts me from being present with this inhibitory emotion of anxiety and guilt. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the guilt. What's well, the defense mechanism? Like being right mm -hmm. defends you, like keeps you safe from having to feel guilt or, sh you know, or shame yeah. Yeah. or the anxiety. Yeah. Which is ultimately like also defending you from just feeling sad that... Yeah you acted out in a way that had a negative impact on somebody who you really love. Yeah. You mean me? <laughs> <laughs> really? It's well, I'm like, glad you got I mean, the self-love going and I and we definitely needed some comic relief. So. Well, but I love this metaphor of like, you know, shouting at someone is sort of like holding a hot piece of coal to throw at them. Mm -hmm. It's just as harmful to me. Mm -hmm. you know if i'm honest like it doesn't do me any good you know shouting into the air or shouting you know when i'm driving by myself or shouting in the woods is so cathartic but shouting at someone it doesn't feel good to me you know and so instead of sweetie i'm sorry i yelled but you can't do that calmed myself down and I said sweetie I'm so sorry I yelled period mm -hmm. <laughs> and the difference there right like that's it you're not wrong for your behavior mm -hmm. you're not a bad person mm -hmm. because you did something wrong mm-hmm 
I'm not a bad person because I did something wrong. I'm just sorry about it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So the hope sort of is that there's a repair, reconnection. When I say repair, I mean there's a reconnection. Mm-hmm. And the other is like a modeling, mm-hmm. sort of subtle modeling of when we do something we regret, we say we're sorry mm-hmm. and we don't try to defend it, you know? So here's, um, this is, I mean, I'm getting like emotional, just figuring out how to pose the, the share question. Right. But, um, I have found myself at times in periods where I'm operating a high level of stress and I'm fairly frequently losing my temper. So yell, apologize, yell, apologize. And I, so I'm really, so, so I think actually to, to some conversations we've had a few years ago, you know, about this specifically, I've gotten good at like cutting out the butt. I'm sorry. I yelled, I lost my temper. I'm working on it. I'm trying not to yell as much. And I, and I've, I've caught myself getting into like a, like a meta shame spiral, Mm. like almost feeling like the, you know, the abuser who, who just keeps apologizing over and over. Like, you know, the, the archetype or image that comes to mind is like an alcoholic who like, you know, goes on a binge and then does all this stuff and then still gets sober and then apologizes and then, you know, whether it's days later or weeks later, you know, it all happens again. And, um, and I'm curious, you know, like this is like, you know, we're live here, but you know, like that is a piece. Like I said, it's like this meta shame guilt of like actually watching the pattern. Now, often I see my coach or I get an acupuncture treatment and like that does something for my system as a whole. And then I see myself come out of that pattern. Right. And so it's not like, okay, this is happening forever. Like there is an actual, I am working to get better. And finally I'm able to get whatever resource I need or whatever support I need to like step out of that level of, of stress and that cycle. So it, so when I can step even like, you know, higher to a, like a higher perspective, I can see that. But like in that moment, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that's a question or just like a sharing. Yeah. What do you do with that? Yeah. Well, first of all, I love the like meta, 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 meta. It's like that movie Inception. Mm -hmm. It's like a dream within a dream within a dream. It gets complex after a while. Yeah. But I think what you're describing is the difference between feeling guilt and shame versus holding yourself accountable Mm. for your actions right Mm -hmm. and the question is that i hear you asking is how do you hold yourself accountable without feeling guilt and shame or or at least without feeling uh a level of guilt and shame that's unhelpful that's harmful so for example we've been talking about in the opportunities 
of before, during, and after, we're saying, what can we do after we've made a mistake? And we're saying, apologizing is a good move. Forgiving is a good move. Forgiving the, the person that you're in conflict with, forgiving yourself. And then you're saying, yeah, but what if I just keep doing that and keep doing that? Well, part of the puzzle is after. But then you're also talking about going to see a coach, going to see an acupuncturist, going to talk to a friend, taking care of yourself, mm. right? These are all before moves, right? Right. When they're what ultimately get me out of the cycle, usually. Yeah. Yeah. They all three opportunities impact the cycle. Right. And so it's not just what I do after, though that seems to be most neglected and the hardest move, I think, for the men I know, probably the women I know too, you know, the adults that I know, mm -hmm. to forgive oneself isn't really, you know, taught and practiced and reinforced. Guilt and shame sure are. Mm -hmm. They're rich, rich culture of guilt, shilt and game. <laughs> guilt and shame in our in our culture. It's a it's a go to move. Yeah. You should not have done that. You messed up. Whose fault is it? Who should we blame? Like this is yeah. That's where that's the go-to. Well, yeah, you're gonna. I'm gonna can jump off into a whole nother meta world, but I'll, let's I'll, just finish this yeah, thought real yeah, quick. Yeah. Which is like, so we do something that we wish we hadn't done. The the instinct is, how do I prevent that from happening again? the answer we generally come up with is if I'm hard enough on myself, I won't do it again. Mm -hmm. Turns out folks, that's a myth because when you're hard on others, you shame. If I shame my daughter, she's more likely to act up next mm -hmm. time. If I shame myself, I'm more likely to act up. That pressure creates more of the same issue, right? So, the instinct is, I made a mistake, I better beat myself up. What we're saying here is, it might be more helpful when you make a mistake to make amends with self and others. And then, how do we do the before, take care of ourselves and sort of work through the echoes of the past. What came up in that moment mm -hmm. that I can process through, I can journal through, I can talk through, I can, you know, I was triggered. Right. That actually, so another way of saying what you're saying is, or what I'm hearing you say is that shame and guilt actually lock you into the cycle. That um, that when we feel shame about something, it actually increases the likelihood that we'll repeat that behavior because of this sort of pressure cooker situation. And because the shame inhibits us from actually being able to heal what's leading to the behavior because it makes yes. it untouchable. Yes. It acts as this protection mechanism, which acts as a guard for what's 
going on and causing this all to start from the beginning. And I know we have to wrap things up here. Whenever this stuff comes up, parts work comes up, right? Um, Some people might know it as internal family systems, but basically it's this idea that like, we, we think of ourselves, we experience ourselves for the most part as this like person that's, you know, a unified whole, but ultimately there's all sorts of little little parts of ourselves and big parts of ourselves that are operating and sometimes they're kind of undercover and they pop up when something happens and sometimes they're whispering in our ear constantly and all those you know the voices in our heads right and and when you when you speak to the the self-forgiveness when we talk about this healing It's being able to actually find that part of ourself that feels shame, which we can do without just by feeling the shame, without getting so fused, engulfed in the shame that we're that we're just lost in that. Like if we can, and this is again where journals help, where where coaches, therapists, you know, friends, friends, right? That we can actually like we ourselves end up holding space for this guilt, for this shame. And, and we just, we, we see it and we hear it and we love it. Yeah. And, and that's really where all of a sudden that shame, the piece of you that feels shame around behavior X feels acceptance and love and no longer has to fear making that mistake no longer has to feel shame around that behavior because it sees like oh you know big noah has space for this little little noah part right and 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 yeah and that's where once the shame is gone, the baggage of that cycle of behavior kind of yeah. starts to dissipate. Totally. The, the behavior. So we talked about core emotions and we talked about inhibitory emotions. And then the third piece of that triangle is what Hillary Jacobs Handel calls defenses. But you might also call them behaviors, right? That it's really anything we do to cope with feelings of shame, guilt, anxiety, or those overwhelming emotions, anything we do to sort of protect ourselves from that, right? And so so my seven-year-old daughter has behaviors that are coming from some... Uh, emotions underneath my inner seven-year-old part that you're referring to also is having behaviors come up right so there's there's a total parallel process and so it's really sometimes i feel like it's just like two seven-year-olds going at it you know Mm -hmm. it's like my inner seven-year-old is duking it out with my my actual seven-year-old But the other, you know, you sort of said shame locks us up and 
we need to be able to provide this support, this caring parental support to that inner seven-year-old in order to, so there isn't the need for the behaviors Mm -hmm. that come from it. The other reason is that your brain can't really tell the difference between how you treat your kiddo and how you treat yourself. Uh So if your goal is, if my goal is to not scold my daughter, Mm -hmm. then I ought to not scold myself, Mm. right? If I want to be more effective with her and her behavior i need to learn to be more effective with myself right Right. so it's the other reason that you know forgiveness isn't some like luxury self-forgiveness self-compassion isn't something like you know nice that we add it's it's essential right to changing the behaviors we don't like in ourselves can i offer a little story because this whole image is like coming in to my mind's eye and you know there's this monster right in the dungeon of the castle and it's locked up in a cage you know that cage being shame Mm. and every now and then it hears something happening up on the you know in the castle in the court Mm. that just like awakens the monster and when it's awake it's so powerful it can break through the cage and it runs up and it just wreaks havoc and after it's wreaked havoc all the guards all the shame guards are able to like get it back into the dungeon and lock it back in there and it can and it collapses into its its state Hmm. and then maybe the you know the court carers are able to sort of try to do their best to clean up the mess yeah till one day right the king and the queen come down go down into the dungeon and they look at this monster that's that's been locked away right and and they sit with it and they wonder like what, what gifts? This is a powerful being. So powerful it can crash through these metal these metal barriers and and so strong and, and that it can wreak all of that havoc, create all this destruction. And they sit with curiosity and they sit with loving hearts, wondering like what are the gifts of this being Mm. and this this dark beast of a lumbering beast kind of all of a sudden lifts its head feeling this new kind of attention and feels itself shedding these sort of murky layers Mm. and as it sort of sheds this this old skin, it becomes this really beautiful, like powerful creature. And it's and it's got these bright eyes and a big smile. 
Like, I just want to help. And they they open up that that lock, right? They open up this this chamber. Risky. And the creature, no longer a beast, mm. steps out. And they go up together, right? And it sees the sun and it feels the sunlight and the wind. And it smiles. And all of a sudden, it's, it's there as a member of the community. Mm. And when a tree falls over, it's there to move it out of the way. And it becomes like a, a energy, that, that mm. a contributing energy to, to the right and yeah and maybe sometimes it falls out of it does something by accident because it's still like now learning how to be in a helpful way but if it makes a mistake it doesn't get thrown into the dungeon yeah it it gets taught Mm. and over time it makes less and less mistakes Mm. and becomes this huge gift right to everybody around it yeah yeah, the the power wasn't the issue. It was the the inhibition, the kibosh, mm-hmm. the caging of the power. Right. That was causing wreaking havoc. And it was it was caged because it was sort of causing havoc, but that was because it didn't know yeah. how to how to be. Yeah, the paradox. Yeah love it Mm. i think that's a good place for us to end for now with our where we can chew on this story and let it let it work us a bit but i uh i really appreciate this conversation um yeah i feel like a common theme with the dads that we work with is really wanting to show up for our kids and how do we do our best without allowing that effort to be better to lock the monster in the basement like how do we still strive to be our whole expressive selves without that inner scolding voice right yeah and if if that's a question that like really resonates i just i just want to invite people listening to this podcast to to reach out right like we are here like running the programs that we run and doing the coaching that we do with with the dads out there that do reach out to help them let those beasts out of the dungeon and, and teach them how to be in, in community in a healthy way. And, um, yeah. And so, yeah, just, and, and please also feel free to share this podcast episode. If it's meaningful to a friend, just, you can text the episode to someone and say, Hey, this was, this was great. And, you could you could rate the podcast too and um yeah but we yeah we want to be in relationship with more than just each other and um 
yeah so thank you guys for for taking the time out to to listen to this and we're really really looking forward to being in connection and to continuing to um hopefully entertain a little bit here on the podcast and uh um please also feel free to say like hey guys can you talk about x or like you know why or like you know i haven't had sex with my wife in three months you know is that something you guys want us to be talking about is um you know i can't function because i'm so bleary-eyed that i haven't had a good night's sleep in two months is is that an issue like do you want us to be bringing on guests to talk about certain particular topics like we're really open to feedback and suggestions and um yeah and appreciate you again your time and listening so hope you all have a, a great day be well bye